Um, we are starting a series called Chaotic Joy. Uh, we've named this little book of Philippians Chaotic Joy because I believe that chaotic joy really sums up our life as Christians. Okay, Why don't you turn to your neighbor and if you can actually think of what makes your life chaotic. Uh, if you have a chaotic life, if you have areas of your life that are chaos, uh, turn to your neighbor real quick and talk to your neighbor. What makes your life chaotic? Okay. What causes the chaos? Okay, bring it back, bring it back. Okay, bring it back. So, I would say, it looked like everybody just couldn't wait to share about their chaos in their life. Uh, who wouldn't mind sharing? Like, what's an aspect of your life that has chaos? Estella Flores. Homework. Homework brings chaos. Let's go to Ethan. People in relationships. People in relationships. So just people in general, but, and relationships. So people and relationships. Yeah, yeah. Colby. Caden creates chaos, yeah, I, I, I've experienced that. Uh, Noah? Sports. Sports? Moving schedules? Yeah, schedules are so chaotic. Stella, I mean, Anna. What? Family. Yeah, okay, raise your hand if you think family creates chaos in your life. Raise your hand if you think sports schedules create chaos. Raise your hand if you think, uh, like, extracurricular schedules like work and... Uh, band and school. Okay, raise your hand if you think homework creates chaos. Okay, raise your hand. Okay, raise your hand if you think um, relationships and people create chaos. Specifically, people in relationships. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, good. Okay, so I think we can all agree that we have the chaotic part down as human beings. And I have good news. I have good news. You guys are all in high school and you're experiencing chaos. Guess what? Good news. You get chaos when you're an adult too. I have chaos in my life. Yeah. So you may experience chaos now. However, you experience chaos as an adult as well. So that's just exciting. But life isn't all chaotic. Now let's, let's flip it over. Turn to your neighbor and what brings joy to your life? And if it's people in relationships, I'm going to... Agree with you there, too. And family. Like, some of the same things. But turn to your neighbor. What brings joy? What are joyful moments? Yes. Family. Family brings joy. Okay. Good. Good. All right, bring it back. Bring it back. I saw everybody very excited. I saw... I saw some excitement for Joy, except for one person. You didn't say anything about Joy, Jeff? Or I missed it. You maybe you did. Uh, back row, that's fine. Uh, somebody don't want to talk about Joy. What, raise your hand. What, what was joyful? <laughs> Let's go, Olivia. Family. So family brings chaos, but it can also bring joy. Yeah. Anna. Your bed. Your bed. Sleep, I imagine. Just your bed in general. Awesome. Yeah. Somebody else, what brings joy to life? What are joyful moments? Yeah, Bailey. Oh, your dog. My cat, actually. I never thought I'd be a cat person, but I'm, I guess I'm a cat person now. Weird. No, don't make me leave. You haven't met my cat. Um, 
Evie. I mean, bye. Food. Yeah. Okay. People in relationships. Congratulations. Yeah. All right. So raise your hand. So some of those things. Think we'll just kind of just cool the room. Uh, did anybody say family? Family brings joy. Yeah. It can bring chaos, but also bring joy. What about sports? The same thing that brings chaos. Sports could bring joy or heartbreak. Uh, what about food? How many people will say food brings joy? Yeah. Okay. So. I think we can agree. Let's bring it back. I think we can all agree that life is full of chaos, but life can also be full of joy. And the book that we're studying today and for the next three months uh, is the book of Philippians. And when I read Philippians, I see Paul, the author, just spell out in every situation that can, that can be chaotic. Like every, every chunk of scripture that we're going to go through is figuring out how to have chaotic joy in relationships, figuring out how to have chaotic joy in suffering, figuring out how to have a chaotic joy in unity, figuring out how to have a chaotic joy in relationship with Christ. There are so many areas in this book that I love that we go through chunk by chunk, and, and each, each part is what is the Christian life, if not chaotic, but not joyful. The Christian life, if you, if you are a Jesus believer, a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then, then you will have chaos in your life, but you will also have immense joy. And so tonight, we're going to start our series in the book of Philippians. So it's a really tiny book in the New Testament. So if you go, if you have your phone, you can just find it by typing Philippians into the New Testament. Uh, but if you have this one of these old-fashioned things, go to the right, almost to the very end. It's so small, you might miss it. Uh, it's past Romans, it's past the Corinthians, uh, and if you hit, like, Hebrews, you've gone too far, back it up. Okay, that's the best I can do. The book of Philippians. Chapter 1, verse 1. We're going we're gonna to dive in, and we're going to do Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Okay, if you're in the book of Philippians, whether on your phone or in the actual Bible, say Amen. You guys are there. Awesome. So we're just going to, and we don't do this very often in youth group, but we're going to go through this book verse by verse, chunk by chunk, and we're not going to skip anything. And we're just going to unpack the entire book for us over the next 8 to 13 weeks. Um, so 8 to 13, yeah, because we have breaks, Thanksgiving and all that fun stuff. But we're going to start in verse 1, chapter 1. Um, but before we do that, let me pray. Because we are opening up God's word, and I want God to be speaking to us tonight and not uh, me. So let me pray. Father, Lord, I am grateful for your word. I'm grateful that uh, it's been preserved over the centuries, that we have an accurate representation of what you want us to know about you and how we can live our Christian life. And Father, I pray tonight that I would get out of the way that you will speak through me. I pray for tonight that uh, our hearts will be willing to hear what you would have to say through your word. And I pray tonight that we will leave knowing that there is chaos, knowing that there is joy, but there is grace and peace in the midst of our chaotic joy. So Father, be with us tonight. Open our hearts. Give us ears to hear. In your name, amen. 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 So we're in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, and we're just going to start there. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, 
to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. So let's pause right there. Let's just break it down real quick. Paul and Timothy are the authors of this letter. Uh, a lot of times people think that Paul was the one who wrote it, but everyone knew who Timothy was, so they got a chance to, um, Timothy might have dictated or written it down. Paul was talking, Timothy was dictating. We don't know the circumstances, but Paul mentions Timothy here. So who is Paul? Paul was a guy who was a missionary. How many people know missionaries? Maybe their friends are theirs. Maybe their family uh, supports a missionary. Anybody know missionaries around here? Yeah? Do you know where they're serving? Yeah? Raise your hand if you know where the missionary that you know is serving. Nathan, you got one? Yeah, who, who's your missionary friend? Uh, my buddy Bryce just got back from Taiwan. From Taiwan. That's awesome. Yeah, so he's a missionary in Taiwan, telling people about Jesus, starting churches, just hanging out. That's awesome. Who else knows a missionary? Case. Your aunts in Guatemala? I have good friends in Guatemala who are missionaries in Antigua. I don't know I just love them because whenever they come to visit, they always bring me coffee that was like fresh coffee. Jared Haas? Yeah, he's kind of like a missionary. He's working in Hong Kong. Yeah? He's a pastor. Yeah, but yeah. Anybody else know a missionary? Remember your name. Nathan. Nathan. Okay, Nathan. Who's your missionary friend? Mishael. Mishael? Nice. Awesome. Somebody else? Who else? Did you have any else? Okay. Yeah, so I know a lot of missionary friends, and I love supporting them. What I love for my missionary friends is getting letters from them. Uh, letters from them saying, hey, thank you so much for your support. Here's what God's doing. And I'm so encouraged by that. Paul is a missionary, and he was one of the first missionaries uh, to, to go out and tell people about Jesus. And he started going out about 20 years after Jesus uh, rose from the dead. So picture your timeline. Jesus died on the cross. All the disciples are like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Jesus raises from the dead, and all the disciples are like, that's what happened. Let's go get after it. And they started off in their little city, Jerusalem. And then God's like, no, I want you to branch out from Jerusalem, so I'm going to you know, cause a little persecution, make you leave. So they left Jerusalem, and they went everywhere. So being a Christian was illegal at the time, okay? Paul was actually against Christianity. And some of you guys know this, but this is just good for refreshing your memory. Paul was against Christianity. He was Jewish. He grew up in the Jewish church. He was studying under the greatest Jewish scholars. He was on track to be a great Jewish rabbi. But all of a sudden, he's like, this Christianity stuff has got to stop. It's usurping what Jewish Judaism is. So he started persecuting Christians, literally going to town, to town, to town, and dragging Christians back to Jerusalem and saying, hey, he's a Christian. Deny it. No, I can't deny it. Put him in jail. Right? Or, hey, he's a Christian. Deny it. Okay, I'm not a Christian. Fine, you can go. Like, so he would just constantly persecute the church until one day Jesus was like, man, that Paul, he's got potential. So he struck him blind, led him to a small town, and he was blind for a few days until a Christian found him. God told this Christian, hey, go, go talk to Paul. And they're like, wait, Paul the persecutor? I don't want to do that. And God's like, trust me. Okay, you're God. So this guy went and he prayed for Paul, uh, and Paul actually became a Christian. He went out and he studied the Bible. He studied about Jesus. He studied the Old Testament, how it pointed to Jesus, and he was the perfect scholar, guy, person to go out and do missionary work. He was really uh, eloquent in speech. He was very humble. He got humbled by Jesus, and he was able to go out and just tell people about Jesus because he grew up in a Greek society, so he spoke Greek really well. But he also grew up Jewish, so he knew the Old Testament really well. So he was the perfect candidate to go from town to town to town to town and tell people about who Jesus is. 
So 20 years after Jesus was risen from the dead, Paul goes out and starts his missionary journeys. And he goes from town to town and he starts churches. He finds people who uh, are Jewish first. He's like, hey, did you hear about the Messiah that came? What? The Messiah came? Sweet. I want to know that. So he converted Jews, Jews to, to Christianity. And then if the Jews didn't want to hear about it, he went to the Gentiles, also called the, non, the non-Jewish people. So this is a great term for anybody who's not Jewish is Gentile. I'm a Gentile. Uh, and so he went to the Gentiles then. He, he is amazing. You read the book of Acts. He's amazing at converting people and telling people who Jesus is. And he did amazing miracles. God gave him that gift to just, convert, like, for example, let's just pick it up in the Bible again. It says, Paul and Timothy to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. So he's writing to this church in Philippi. Guess what? Paul went to Philippi in Acts chapter 16, and he started a church there. And so he's actually writing to people that he knows that he's just recapping. He's like a missionary that they support, and he's getting them, sending a missionary letter. And so he's writing back to them to just encourage them, let them know he's okay. He's under hard circumstances right now, but he's writing to them to let them know what's going on. So he knows these Philippians, the Philippians, these people from Philippi, uh, and he did amazing things there. And we'll get to that in a bit. So Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, which is a church that he started. He raised up leaders for that church, and then he left. Why didn't he stay there? Because he had other churches to go plant. He had other cities to go to. And so then he goes on to say in verse 2, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. And I love this phrase, that Paul uses, and it's not a new phrase. He loves this phrase, grace and peace. Paul, wherever he went, tried to bring grace and peace with him. Uh, And some of your Bibles might have cross-references. None of these ones do, but maybe at home I'll I'll show you what a cross-reference is next week. I'll bring my Bibles that have that. Um, But cross-references, if you have like a little number on it next to grace and peace, uh, or a little letter. Sometimes that little letter, you can go down and see where else that words grace and peace show up. Let's just do a quick uh, overview of this idea of grace and peace. So flip back to Romans. So go to the left in your Bible. Romans chapter 1. This is really interesting here. Romans chapter 1, verse 7. So go to the left a little bit. We're going to learn our Bible tonight. I love it. Okay? You guys there? Romans chapter not too far back. It's only a couple books back. You guys there? Say amen if you're there. Amen. Amen. Okay, Romans 1, 7 says, To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Go to 1 Corinthians. Flip to the right. It's the very next book. Flip to the right. I know you probably just got to Romans. Sorry. Go to 1 Corinthians verse one, chapter 1, verse 3. You guys there? Say amen. amen. Okay, enough of you. Look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to 2 Corinthians. Okay, 2 Corinthians. Yeah, you're getting it. You just found it. Keep going. Keep going. 2 Corinthians. Very next book in the Bible. Okay? You guys there? Say amen and get there. Amen. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2 says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we're getting somewhere. Go to the next book. Corinthians. I think it's Galatians maybe. Let's check it out. Very next book is Galatians. Yeah, look at Galatians 1, 3. 
Galatians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus. Okay, keep on going. Galatians, Ephesians, General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Okay, that's how you memorize the Bible. You make up little things. It's the New Testament, Ethan. General Electric Power. Or go eat popcorn. Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Okay, go to uh, Ephesians. Verse, chapter 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, go to the next book. Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians 1, 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord. Okay, go to the next book. Colossians. Let's go down to verse 2. Chapter 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Okay, let's keep going, but we could. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. To the church in Thessalonians and God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. Grace and peace. I could do this... Not all night. Another three books, probably. But I'll stop now. Paul, wherever he went, brought grace and peace. Paul greeted all of his letters. Start with grace to you and peace from God our Father. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. This is what's so important about grace and peace. Go back to uh, Philippians. Actually, go back to 2 Corinthians. We're going to camp out there for a second. This is what's so critical about grace and peace. This is why Paul wants to greet everyone with grace and peace. He's all about this. Paul lived a chaotic, joy-filled life. As a missionary, he would go from town to town. Sometimes he would get greeted with open arms, like, oh, come on, yeah, teach us, talk to us. Sometimes he would be asked to leave, not politely, like they would beat him in order to get him to leave. Sometimes he was in prison. Sometimes he was shipwrecked. He, was, he lived a chaotic life, but he chose to have grace and peace. Like, we're in 2 Corinthians. Check out 2 Corinthians. Okay, are you guys there? I'll tell you what chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're just going to be all over. This is why I want you to bring your own Bible, though, so we can have a pen, and you can actually, like, underline some verses that stick out to you. So bring your own Bible. If you don't have one, talk to me. I'll get you one. So let's go uh, 2 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23. This is just a little bit of what happened uh, to Paul as a missionary. And he's arguing with them. And, and at first it says, verse 23, you guys there? Amen. Amen. Okay, good. Uh, it says, are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I am a better one. So he's arguing like what he's been through. And he goes on to argue. He says, with far more labors, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, many times near death. Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. So 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea. That's a long time just floating there in the sea. Bobbing around. Verse 26. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles. That's the non-Jewish people. Dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. Toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, often cold, and often without clothing. Not to mention other things that were the daily, there was a daily pressure on me, my concern for the churches. That's chaotic, right? Like he lived a chaotic life and it doesn't, it doesn't end there. Look at, uh, go back a couple pages to chapter four. This is Paul's chaotic life right here. Chapter four, verses eight through 10. This was his mindset during that chaos. We are, affli- are you guys there? Okay, good. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. 
We're perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. So although all of these things were happening to Paul, he wasn't destroyed. He wasn't abandoned. He, he, here's, what, here's what Paul was. He was a thermostat and not a thermometer. Okay? During this chaotic life, we can be either a thermostat or a thermometer. Here's what I mean by this. We have a thermometer in the back, that red clock, that goes from the date, which is 9-11, pour one out, to the time, 7.35, and then it goes to the thermometer, and guess how hot it is right now? Let's guess. Too hot. Let's see who's closest. It'll change any second now. Is it going to call me a liar? Why isn't it? Oh, there it is, 78. Who said 78? Nice. It is so warm in here. So, that's a thermometer, okay? Way to go, you guys. The thermometer. What is a thermometer's one job? To tell us how hot it is, right? Or how cold it is. Here's what a thermometer does. A thermometer is in the room, and it reads the temperature around it, and then it changes to whatever that temperature is, okay? So a thermometer, when chaos, if you live your life as a thermometer, you're going to walk into school, you're going to walk into home, you're going to walk into whatever relationship you're in, you're going to walk into the chaos around you, and you're going to read the room, and you are going to change based on the temperature of the room. I've lived thermometer lifestyles. It's not fun. It's not fun to fake it. It's not fun to change my hat. When I, wear, when I go to church, I wear this hat. When I go home, I wear this hat or mask. I wear this mask at home and this mask at church and this mask at school. I, I'm a thermometer. I care what other people think of me, so I will change the way I act in order for them to like me. That's thermometer living in chaos. Paul lived a thermostat life. Over here, we have a thermostat. I could make this room cooler if I wanted to. Guys, coming down to 70. Okay? The thermostat, the thermostat actually tells the room what to do. Hear me out on this. The thermostat doesn't walk into a room and say, oh, I better change. The thermostat, in the midst of chaos, goes into a room and says, I am going to set the tone. Paul set the tone with grace and peace. Everywhere he went, although it was chaotic, although people stoned him and threw rocks at him, although people wanted to beat him, although people welcomed him with open arms, he set the tone with grace and peace. He wasn't a thermostat. He, was a, he, wasn't, he wasn't a thermometer. He was a thermostat. That's what Paul lived like. What about us in today's culture? You guys mentioned a lot of things that are chaotic in your life. You mentioned family. You mentioned sports. You mentioned boyfriend. You mentioned girlfriend. You mentioned... Food, you mentioned all sorts of stuff that can be chaotic. Are you going to let the chaos surrounding you dictate your relationship with those people around you, your relationship with your creator? Or are you going to walk into a room and say, no, I have grace and peace to offer, just like Paul did. He had the grace of Jesus. He had the peace that surpasses all understanding. And he walks in, no matter what was going on, he could offer grace and he could offer peace. I want to live with grace and peace. So we read in, 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 first, in 2 Corinthians kind of what he was going through and all the hardships. Um, but here's a good ex, excerpt from my friend Noah. Not you, Noah, but another Noah. This was a former student of mine. Um, I've been a youth pastor for almost 20 years. I know I don't look it. I'm almost 40. Uh, but I, when I was like 20 years old, I was a part-time youth pastor, 
and one of my students, who was like 18 years old, uh, he was wise beyond his years. He ended up doing amazing things. I'm so proud of him. Uh, he's doing awesome stuff over in Montana. He's a school teacher, and I still keep in contact with him. Uh, but he's a school teacher, and, and each year he encourages these students that he's around. And he wrote this letter to them as they started school this year. He wrote to freshmen specifically, but it applies to sophomores, it applies to juniors, it applies to seniors, it applies to me. He, he wrote this to his, uh, to his colleagues at school, to his, to his students. He says, I'm going to confidently state that you likely don't realize the incredible importance of starting high school. I sure didn't. Most all of us don't. However, despite your nerves and insecurities about this new stage of life, I want you to know a few things. Number one, you only get one chance to start high school. Talk to most recent or not so recent high school graduates and many of them will lament their freshman or sophomore year. The deep desire to be known, to be liked, to be cool are not worth jeopardizing this incredible opportunity. So show up, ask questions, do your freaking homework, learn, engage, get involved, join a club, thrust yourself from your cozy little comfort zone. Number two, you will fail, but that doesn't make you a failure. In the next four years, if not the next 40 days, you will make a choice that blows up in your face. Drop the ball in some way. Suck it up royally on a test. Be let down by a friend or many. Have your heart broken by the love of your life. Pound sign so dramatic. Winky face. This is what he wrote. He, he probably said hashtag because he's cooler than me. He'll always be cooler than me. You'll have your heart broken by the love of your life and inevitably experience some serious family struggles. Hopefully this won't happen all in the same day or week, but it might. When these events transpire, you need to know a few things. You are in process. You are not a perfect human, and you will recover eventually. Also, you are worth fighting for. You are worth living for. You are worth waiting for. You are worth struggling through the mud of life even when it's messy. You have a future and this too shall pass. And you will come out stronger because of the hell you endured if you just don't quit. Number three, I'm here for you. Along with so many other people who care for you. We all will struggle, but we mustn't struggle alone. You are not alone. You get in a bind, you fall on your face, you get into drugs, you get the crap beat out of you, literally or figuratively. Text, call, DM, reach out to the resources around you, including myself. I will do everything I can to help you. You are loved. Act like it. Fight like it. Remind yourself even when you don't feel like it. You are amazing and deserve the best. Never settle. Love you guys. Isn't that beautiful? Like, what an encouragement. Yeah, I will take this and borrow it and tell you the same thing. Like, he's writing this to public school kids. He is an amazing Christian man. So he can try to, like, float in there like, hey, you are loved, you are known. Like, you can use some Christian words because he wants you to come to him. But I can tell you a step further. You are known, you are worth it, and God has already paid the price for you to be known and loved. And when we fail, when life seems the most chaotic, you can still have joy with the grace and peace of Jesus Christ. We can live a chaotic, joy-filled life. And this is just the first two verses of Philippians. 
We're going to run through this thing and we're going to dig in and we're going to see what does God have for us in this chaos-filled life. So let me pray for us. Let me pray for your school year. Let me pray for this, this school year. And then we're going to turn a corner. Father, Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us grace and peace. Thank you for surrounding us with people who know us, who can pick us up, who can be your hands and feet. And Lord, thank you for your word that we might know who you are and who your son is, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, that we might have relationship with you, that we might have joy in this chaotic life. Lord, we love you. We give you tonight. We give you our lives. In your son's name, amen. Amen. Each week, I want to challenge you guys. So there will be a weekly challenge at the end of your small group time. Each week, we're not going to have small groups tonight, by the way. 